Hey everybody, my name is Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Before we get started, thanks to everybody who's been listening. My listenership has continued an upward trend, which I'm very happy with. This hasn't happened like this since I first started this podcast five years ago or so. Um, but that said, I kind of want to jump right into it because I'm really excited about what I'm going to talk about this week, and that particular thing is Metabots. Now, if you were a kid growing up in the, let's say, mid-90s to early 2000s, then you're familiar with the kind, with a certain kind of, with a certain brand of anime, and that brand of anime is actually with two certain brands of anime, and those brands of anime are Anime that's super aimed at kids. I mean, it's... It, no one really pays it much mind. No one really paid it much mind when it was on. Because we watched all of it. And it... And it, it really ranges in terms of quality from, like... um, The best Pokemon episodes to the worst... I'm going to say a word here into this microphone, and that is the worst Fighting Foodons episode. And if you're like, Alex, the fuck? Go, go, go to your nearest browser and type in Fighting Foodons and just, like, let your brain just work out what the fuck you're looking at. It's, it's a lot. Um, for those of you who are too young to remember that period of time, the mid, like the mid '90s, the early 2000s, are what brought us Pokemon. They what brought you Digimon. They are what laid the groundwork for what became card battling anime. But oftentimes, what these shows were, were they were they were anime in the truest form. I talked about not in the truest form. It's not really fair. Um. <laughs> I talked about this in the, like, future of, like, assets Sunday edition episode, but the original point of not all anime, but largely, well, a lot of anime was it was supposed to be kind of an infomercial 
for a toy line. So if you look at any Gundam show, the reason why Gundam has so many different versions of a the, of the titular Gundam and of other robots is because they make and sell model kits. In the case of things like Pokemon, that show was and still is developed to be kind of a companion to whatever is the latest, greatest Pokemon game that's out. Um, that's changed a little bit with the like addition of mobile games for Pokemon, but that's that still really holds true. Like whenever, like whenever, and they. But the thing with that is they take Ash and they put him in the main character slot. So uh, because they need they need a character they can build a series like the series around instead of just being like Sun or Moon or like. All the like in-game in-game player characters with like generic with like generic names, but Pokemon was is just really the best known of these kind of infomercial esque kids anime from the nineties. There were tons of other ones. There was. Um, there, there was Fighting Foodons. Once again, not a good show, but I was content starved, so I've seen a lot of it. <laughs> and I didn't super realize that until I went on to Retro Crush and I watched the first episode after I had watched um, a bunch of episodes of our topic day, which is Metabots. So here's a kind of timeline of events. Um, I want to say last Thursday. Yeah, it would have been last Thursday. I woke up to a post on Twitter, to a tweet from um, Retro Crush, which if you don't know what Retro Crush is, I mentioned it a bunch of times on this podcast in the past. It's this cool kind of retro, it's this cool free, key point, free, retro, and when, it's, when I say it's free, it's, like, you are the product. It's ad-supported, and the ads are algorithmic and bad, so don't don't judge it by that. But it is a free service that offers access to tons, so far, of retro anime. It's a like a conglomeration of what used to be the, the catalog for Midnight Pulse, Asian Crush, and I think Vicky? And they took all those licenses and they just funneled them up into one thing called Retro Crush. And it's all about, like, early 2000s shows. Like, they have stuff from the 70s there. They have, stuff, they have tons of stuff from the 80s there. They are starting to have tons of stuff from the 90s. They have stuff that, like, you're like, I forgot this existed. Like, Itsunana Kiss um, from the very early 2000s. It's a, it's a really great service, and literally there's no reason why you shouldn't use it. You don't even need to make an account. You just download the app, open it, and you hit play on something. It's, it's a really good use of... Nobody would... Not, a whole, not enough people would pay for that licensed ball of shows, of old shows, unless you got very key shows, which they do still get. But 
people will totally enjoy them, and you can make more than enough money through ads, through um, streaming ad placement, and so that's what that service is. But I woke up to a tweet from them that was the fucking best. It go and it went. Wu Tang is for the children, because and I can't for the life I haven't come across this because I know I would recommend it. I, I know I would recognize it. There's a scene in Metabots where they're all like, well, all these kids are gathering around something in the school, probably a, met, a Metabot battle. But you see a kid run up and he's just got the like uneven bird logo from the Wu-Tang Clan on the back of his shirt. In a way that, like, there is no mistake. Some animator just dug the fucking Wu-Tang Clan and put it the fuck in there. Like, nobody will notice if I do this. It will make it through. And it... It's the best. It's like, just like, a dumb, like, oh, shit. They got that through. That's the best. Um... But that was their announcement that they had licensed and put up the official, the, 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 officially the first season of Metabots. Now, before I get into this, I want to talk a little bit about what I think, retro, what I know Retro Crush gets ultimately right. And that is, oftentimes when we are have any nostalgia for a show, which I have a lot of nostalgia for Metabots, as people have nostalgia for the early episodes of Pokemon. Um, you want what you remember. You don't want necessarily always what's perfect or what's right or what's the best representation of something. Sometimes you just want what you remember. And I... And that includes all the, like, weird flaws and all the weird little, like, things that you as an adult know are just not, not cool. Um, because the nostalgia, the context of nostalgia means that if we had gotten Metabots and it had been the Japanese dub with all the personality stripped away from it, because it was in Japanese, then you would have to be re you would have to read it instead of hearing like the voice of Meta B or the voice of Iki or the voice of um Sakura, I think his friend his best friend's name is, or Koji or Karen or any of the cast or Victor. Um you would it would feel odd. It would feel off. It would like be a bit uh, it would be a bit unnerving, honestly, because you the version you first encountered is the version that oftentimes imprints on you and that you remember liking. So it can be hard to watch a different. It can be hard to watch a way different take on it even in a voice even if it's correcting the mistakes i am a super weirdo because i 
I know, I think, and I think I've demonstrated this in my, um, in, in, I think I did an anime opening episode for the Sunday edition at some point. I, oh, oh no, I did like, the in the anime edit episode, if you go back and listen to that or listen to it at all, um, for Sunday edition, I sang the better part of the card capture Sakura opening song that was written for the kids WB dubs that got destroyed by a letter writing campaign. It got just like buried in paper and then canceled when they were not far into that show. And like I know it's wrong. The version of the version of Car Capture Sakura that's on Netflix currently with the original opening is great. But it's a different thing than what they did with it to um basically skew it toward boys in for kid WB morning television. And it's not right, it's not okay. It should have been taken off the air, but I guarantee you because I'm one of them there are still people who can sing that fucking song because they like that song. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, the thing I would say that Retro Crush does perfectly is they get the version you remember. If you remember watching Samurai Pizza Cats at odd points in your childhood, and you remember that goofy fucking song and those goofy fucking voices, you can go watch that. On Retro Crush for free. Um, like I said about Fighting Foodons, I watched a fair amount of Fighting Foodons because I was content starved as a child and insane. Um, and definitely, def- I, even as a child, I was like, this, this, show, this show is horseshit, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not, this show is horseshit. Um, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that the people that if you like that show as a kid, you're horseshit. I'm just saying that even if that was a jumping off point for you, there are better versions of that kind of story that you probably encountered later on. Um, especially when it comes to like food battle shows, <laughs> um, which that basically is. But <laughs> The so they got the English dub of Metabots, and it is the English dub. If you watched Metabots as a kid, as I did, it's the English dub you remember. It, it's it's like got Metabees like kiss your bot goodbye, and he's like very cool, dude. I rock, and it has the the opening song for Metabots, which is fucking incredible. That song is way better than it has any right to be. I I almost just tweeted, like, go get your friends in response to the thing, because I remember that line constantly from the Metabots opening. It is so good. Um, And... But the thing you have to remember about specifically Pokemon is Pokemon Pokemon veers away from a from a from some of the potential that it could have as a property. 
And you can see that actually in the first Pokemon movie. Where Mewtwo is a character because he speaks and he has the same coded mannerisms as a person. An evil person, but a person. And that means that Mewtwo gets to be a character, gets to be a, like, character with a lot of effect on the story of that movie. In the same way, actually, that all throughout the show, Meowth gets to have an effect on the entire show because he's a walking, he's a talking, he's, the, like, the only talking Pokemon. And... As a result, like, Meowth has character and has character development. Whereas, you know, Pikachu is adorable, but Pikachu's character is kind of pretty flat, if that makes any sense. And it, that's, that's true for a lot of the different Pokemon characters. Now, another way of handling your, like, battle, your battling... Side character, monster character thing is Digimon. Digimon, the characters speak, but they don't. The human characters in Digimon are the ones who primarily drive the story forward and primarily act and are the like action takers. They are the people who grab the story by the horns and like knee it in the face if necessary. So that's a little that's a totally different formula too. It's actually it's closer to the Metabots formula, but it's not quite there. And the thing I wanna call attention to is the reason why I'm saying Pokemon, Digimon, Metabots is because they are the three they if you were talking about Metabots, the two that are probably the most like it are Pokemon and Digimon, because all three of those were cartoon were or are cartoon companions video games primarily like you can go out and you can get a metabots like toy but it's not really what you want out of a metabots toy it was this cartoon was an advertisement for a game boy game in the same way that the original pokemon was a fleshing out of the world for the pokemon video game and um all three of these also have associated card games and other like spin-off moneymakers, so to speak. But the thing that Digimon does that Pokemon and Digimon don't do is Digimon does its... Uh, um, Metabots does its best to keep the, keep the scale of the world fairly small. There's a second... There's a second... Like a second series for Metabots that expands it a little, but it's still kept relatively small. You, entire story takes place mostly in Iki's hometown, or not far off from that, and it feels like, it allows them to repeat use of the characters, put characters in background shots, and it, it all feels more manageable, because the they really know that the focus of this story is not this huge world. 
It is the fact that kids have robots, many of which are the same size as those children, or bigger, and they use them to fight. And they flesh, and the other thing is they give these robots personalities. And lots of them are just subservient robots, but in um, the metabots that have rare metals, which is a like MacGuffin thing from the show, if you haven't seen it, they all have their own fleshed out, like independent personalities. Metabi is basically like Iki's rowdy 10 year old best friend kind of thing. You meet Rakusho eventually, and he's got his own personality and he doesn't have a meta fighter. Um, you meet other character, you meet other metabots with rare metals who have their own thing going on, and you meet, but you also meet other metabots who just have like the normal metabot metal and they have names personalities, mannerisms, all kinds of cool things. So they, by giving the, like, collectibles, so to speak, real human characteristics and behaviors, they make them, they, it fleshes out the story to have more, way more person, way more characters in it than you would think, because you get to see, like, you get to see, like, um, Samantha and Pepper Cat hang out, and, like, what happens when Samantha's like, okay, we're gonna win this tournament, Pepper Cat, and puts all of this, like, freaking insane weaponry on this tiny metabot, and the metabot's just like, meta part's too heavy, fuck. And she drags herself up to the ring to try to do her best. And or or um my fa my my favorite like side metabot is the principal's metabot who's just a samurai robot and he's hilarious for a bunch of reasons because once again all the not even kids all the Many of the people in the world of Metabot just have child-sized robots that what can commit murder if they so chose. So, like, when I say what can commit murder, Metabi has missile launchers on his head. Um, Samurai carries around a beam saber, like an actual beam saber. <laughs> Um, everything has guns. Everything has guns. Peppercat has taser fists. Yeah, a couple of them just have swords for hands. It's it's bonkers. <laughs> and so, by expanding the cast to be like for every. For, every, for almost every human you encounter, they have a metabot of some kind. And sometimes they're just, like, throwaway... They don't, they don't have enough green time to, have, to get a personality. But when they do, 
you expand, you're constantly expanding the scope of character, not by one every time, but by two. And that's a really, and so you have these like pairs, like you have um, Koji and Similadon. Or you have um, Spike and, uh, a particular one is Spike and Cyan Dog, or like best buds and idiots together for better part of an episode. Um, you have Samantha and Peppercat. You have Erika and Brass. You have um, ultimately you have also they have a really good like a fucking failure of a um, tuxedo mask stand-in in this show that's the best in um, the Phantom Renegade who was just like where's this like Almost V for Vendetta, a very simple smiley face mask, and like a top hat and a cape, and he steals rare metals, and they don't know. And for most of the show, for most of the first season at least, you don't know why. The other thing that's interesting about this is, all told, this show goes on for roughly almost 80 episodes. I think it's yeah, it goes on for over 80 episodes, probably close to 90 episodes, if you include the second, the second series. But if you just look at the first two seasons, the first series, it, it's a really good, really complete, well-managed progression of a show. Yes, they have some fill episodes, and yes, they have, like, just, like, total nonsense p- packed in there. But they, the characters have such great personalities, and they feel like such real kids and real like robot kids, basically, that it, it all, like stuffs it, it like all that stuff plays well together. The other, fucking amazing thing about this show, is. I've never watched one of the. I've never watched a show, where. Before or since, actually, where the evil organization spends a period of time having just either no goals or goals that would ultimately help the community, but they're assholes, so no one likes them. <sighs> um, or, like, the least, the least fucking, the least fucking stakes goals ever. <laughs> so... If you haven't watched Metabots, the like primary antagonist group is um the Rubber Bros, and they do a great dumb thing that leads to the name Shrimp Lips, in that they give all of the all three of the like main protect of the main antagonist of the of that group names like they um give one the name Squid Guts um. They name one Sea Slug, and they name one, I forget what the girl's name is. But for the first half of that show, they're just assholes in rubber suits running around this town, doing combination of like making things minorly inconvenient to and um like picking on kids because they're jerks, but also like. One of their evil plans is to start a noodle restaurant chain. 
And I, the, but they they pass it off as this evil conniving thing, but really they're just like playing fair in capitalism and making good business plans and all this other shit. There's another one where there's like they their overarching goal is to turn the town into a weird fucking theme park, but they're what they're actually doing is renovating people's houses to be better than they were. They're just weird-ass shapes. So, like, all the kids, like, you, they get this, like, weird fucking um, montage of all these kids going back to their own house and being like, why the fuck does my house look weird now? Why does my house look like a banana? What, or, or, why does my house look like a ukulele? Or a no mask. Like, but all the parents are like, they did a great job. Everything's bigger. It all works better. I am so happy. Yeah, it looks weird, but it's the best. And it's a, I, but like the kids stop them because these guys are being assholes and taking advantage of people. And yes, they may be happy at the end, but like, they pitch it as just them being evil when honestly they help the town. <laughs> but halfway through the series, they have a like more antagonistic group leader show up, and one of the things they do immediately is they take one. If they take um, Squid Guts, I think his name is, um, not Shrimp Lips. I wish they took Shrimp Lips out out of his costume. Yes, there was a, there's a tiny baby man named Shrimp Lips who's a bad guy in this, by the way. They take um, Squid... I think it's Squid Guts. I don't... Um, uh, no, they take Sea Slug out of, out of... Just, like, out of his weird fucking rubber condom suit. And they make him this, like... Um corporate espionage character and his name becomes Mr. Tunahead for like an episode and he um what's it called he um infiltrates the like Metabot Corporation and they have this whole episode that just him doing corporate spy shit in a kids show that's awesome and uh, If you've never seen Metabots, this is the perfect excuse to go see it because it. The other thing about a lot of. And the reason why Retro Crush is such a great thing is because. And people have talked about this. And if you want a really great conversation about this, you should go listen to um, the latest, at the time of this recording, um, episode of Factually, which is about. Uh, which has Hope and Oath, one of my personal favorite artists who. I said on Twitter, and this is absolutely true, has a standing invitation to come on this podcast at any time he pleases and talk about anime. And then it opened Mike Eagle. And Adam Conover of Adam Ruins Everything on True TV and Open Mike Eagle, the fabulous, fucking deeply anime-inspired indie rapper, indie rapper, talk about making money in the music industry... But the back half of that conversation, they talk about how 
especially now, media can get lost to time. And so much of this, like, great, weird fucking retro anime that happened between, like, 1999 and, like, 2010, let's say, can just get lost in the sauce, just disappear forever. Um, I'm going to say a show name now, and you're going to be like, huh? That was a thing. What happened to that? Do you remember what happened to Star Driver? Because I don't. I don't know what that thing is. Don't know. It was on Crunchyroll for a period of time. It was a bunch of places for a period of time. Another perfect example is Macross Frontier. One of the highest rated Macross series ever released. And you can't watch it kind of anywhere. Because that one's because of fucking Harmony Gold. But the these shows have a lot of value to people, but they don't necessarily always have value to the people who hold the rights to them. And one of the things that I think that Retro Crush is doing, another thing that I think Retro Crush is doing a matchful job of is going after those kinds of shows, going after a Samurai Pizza Cat, going after a Ronin Warrior, going after, you know, Metabots, going after even Itsuna and the Kiss, and saying, like, these shows meant something to people. These shows... People remember these things, and they would totally watch them again if they just had the opportunity. Um, when I, on my last Sunday episode, I talked about about piracy, and should you pirate anime? If you if you want a great checklist from that, if you're listening to that episode, and you're like, I feel like I need a checklist for if I should pirate anime. The general rule that I always function at is, is this thing available for me to acquire in any other way? And if the answer is no, if the answer is no, you can't go out and buy a box set, like, it's just, it's not a thing you can do, and there's no way for, and there's no plans of bringing that stuff over, streaming or physical or otherwise then if I want to watch that show and I can't give anyone money for it, like, not not I won't. I can't. There is no physical way for me to do it. There's no way, there's no way for me to shove money in someone's face and get show back. Then that's when you turn around and you're like, okay, everything exists forever on the internet, let's go fucking find it. And I hate to be like that, but it's really true. Like, And so many shows kind of evaporate because they are not, because no one's willing to license them for whatever reason, be it cost, be it like, be any number of things. Be lots of times music rights, honestly. Um that was a that was the reason that 
paranoia agent was like this whisper on the winds in fandom forever. And then Funimation licensed it because Funimation, they're not morons. They know that, like, everybody my age watched that thing on Toonami on freaking Adult Swim decades ago, and we've been ripping off the fucking system ever since. Like, (laughs) there's a real, like, man, I got my copy of Paranoia Agent, and, like, I'm taking care of number one here. (laughs) And when I did that um, episode, which you can find in the feed, I said, like, this is one of the shows that I'm talking about that you can't, you can't go watch. Because it just, it has existed in like the gray space of unlicensed in America forever. And the, the best you could probably do was to go find a um, DVD copy, which because it's not licensable anymore and they aren't printing more copies of that DVD, those things obviously shoot up through the roof in price. And, like, if you want to spend $300, I would argue that there's few series that deserve it more than Paranoia Agent, but still, that's a lot of money for, a for like, a one-season show. And then it, beca- then it becomes infamous, and eventually enough of that enough of like cohesion builds up and somebody can license it, but that's not always the case. So Metabots wasn't really around for a long time that I noticed. And now they and now we have at the very least the first season of Metabots to go to, to, for people to dive into who have never seen that show because, like, kids who like anime, this is, this is a perfect thing for them. It's from the 90s, so, it, so it's designed, so the character design set isn't so janky that it's like, Dad, this is old. I don't like it. It's got... It, it takes this it takes that what if quality that I like so much and it works really well with it and it builds rules so it feels doable. Like this is not this is not we gave a twelve year old kid tiny monsters that breathe fire and sent him on his way on his fucking journeys around the world. This is look, this kid saves every fucking penny in his every penny of his allowance for like you let to believe a while, especially for a child, and gets himself a metabot so he can do do battle with every other kid in his town. And there's a lot of happenstance stuff in this, but they keep it they keep it small enough where it seems like a, something a kid could do, and not like something that's like, oh, in this version of Earth, we give murder monsters to 10-year-olds kick them out of the house. That seems safe. Also, (laughs) also, this 
professor named after a tree can bang <laughs> that kid hot milf hot, hot single milf milf mother. God damn it. Um, at some point, I'll have to get into my uh, hilarious series on the, like, relationship fucking Ouroboros that is Pokemon. But, so if you, if you haven't heard of, if, if you've heard of Metabots, but you've, like, never known where to find it, now you can go find it on Retro Crush, which is great. Um, if you love Metabots as a kid, but you only saw a few episodes, now you can go watch the entire first season, which is, I want to say, 24, 23, 24, I believe. 24 episodes, um, right now on Retro Crush. And if you've, if you've liked, but if you've never heard of Metabots, which I wouldn't be surprised... Because it, it was, it was the not, it was the not focus on show when I was a kid and watching it. It's not, um, so it was not like, it's not like people were watching, people were appointing to watching Metabots right after they watched Pokemon for the week. It was like, if you got to Metabots, you were already kind of deep, deep in it so to speak. And so if you've heard, if you like, if you like shows like Pokemon, if you like shows like Digimon and you like that kind of, that weird toy franchise genre of anime, definitely check out Metabots. It is kind of a masterclass in how to do that with enough of a twist with, like I said, the collectibles get to be characters and get to be real characters in a way that, like, the power of friendship bullshit is not, is not, it's certainly there because it's a 90s show and of course it's there, but it's not, it's not like, like, friendship is gonna fix everything in Metabot. It's like, yeah, Meta B and Iki are friends, but that doesn't mean they treat each other well because they're like friends the way 10-year-old boys are friends, which means that they're kind of assholes at each other because that's the way they can manage to care about each other. <laughs> and also, Iki's mom is hilarious. Um, Koji and Karen are like the two sides of rich kids, which is funny. Um... Erika is great. Uh, the screws are like this weird side story thing that's also great. Um, and, you know, go enjoy Metabots. It, it, at the very least, the very least, grace your skull with the sound. I mean, I've already played it at the beginning of this podcast, I know, but grace your skull with the sound of the Metabots opening theme song because it it's fucking it's just it's fucking good. It's so fucking good. It's it's like it's it's very good. And on that note, 
I have been Alex, and you have been listening to Lunchbox Radio. If you like this show, you can subscribe to it in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. If you really like this show, you can give me a five-star review that really helps the show. And definitely, definitely let other people know about, let your friends and other people you know who like anime know about the show because I do this twice a week. On on Thursday nights, I generally do it, I do like a show review like this or a movie review on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. sharp. (laughs) I release an episode on like more like meta stuff, like industry stuff, um, fandom stuff. This um, this Sunday's episode I've actually already recorded, which is unique for me. God damn it, I'm I'm overachieving. <laughs> um, and that episode will be about um, taste shaming and why you shouldn't do it and why it's bad. So if you're interested in hearing that, um, you can hear that this Sunday at this coming Sunday at. Um, 10, 10 a.m. in the morning. So, um, Eastern Standard Time, of course. But until then, I've been Alex, and I'll talk to you on Sunday.